Hello. So given that March is a Women's History Month, we thought it'd be an opportune time to gather a few Black women to discuss relevant issues that relate to Black womanhood. In efforts to center Black women in this conversation, we'll be discussing a range of topics from massage noir within rap to beauty standards. So I'm your host, Jada Snyder, and today I'll be taking over for Ryan during this episode. So let's start by introducing the panelists. Um, hello, my name is Michaela Jeffries. Uh, I use she, her, hers pronouns. I'm a sophomore in the college, double majoring in African American studies and justice and peace studies. Currently, I'm like the co-facilitator of the Black Leadership Forum, aka BLF. Um, I'm also a GUSA senator, and that's been interesting. Um, but yeah. I'm Olivia Cooley. My pronouns are she, her, hers, and I am in the college majoring in sociology and double minoring in Spanish and government. Um, I'm, I was a part of like a billion clubs, but during the pandemic, I've kind of like toned it down because just being home has been, we all know, it's just been, <laughs> it's been, um, but I'm still like, I was involved in the Corp. Um, I was in BSA last year and I still try to stay as involved as I can on in like different group chats and on campus like virtually as well and um, yeah that's about it. Hi I'm Annie August. I'm a junior in college majoring in English and minoring in French. Um, I am a Georgetown Grace Note which is an all-women acapella group on campus and I am the treasurer for the Minority Pre-Law Association. Hi, everybody. My name is Thais Borges, but I also go by Thai. My pronouns are she, her, hers. I'm a junior in the college, majoring in anthropology, minoring in African-American studies and women and gender studies. Um, I'm currently part of BSA as treasurer. I'm also part of CCC and GURD. Um, yeah. Hi, my name is Caudalie. I'm a freshman in the SFS. I use she, her pronouns. Um, I'm involved in GUSA. I'm a team member of the Race and Cultural Inclusivity Committee. And I'm also a member of like the African Society of Georgetown. Hi everyone, my name is Winnie. I am a junior in the MSB. Oh, my pronouns are also she, her, hers. Um, I study international business, African regional studies. Um, I'm involved in ASG. I am the historian, which is African students government. Um, and I'm also a smart star mentor with PWC in Georgetown. Okay, well, thanks for introducing yourselves. Let's just get right into things. So rising to popularity after Breonna Taylor's murder, Say Her Name is a social movement that was designed to bring attention to Black women who are victims of police brutality and anti-Black violence. Do you all see any issue with this movement being co-opted with hashtags like Say His Name or Say Their Name or even being used for women who aren't Black? And what, what does it say about issues of misogynoir both within and outside of the Black community? I have many feelings kind of like around that specific topic, especially because in a lot of past movements, uh, they've been mainly men set, like men have been at the center. And a lot of people, I even notice it now when they talk about Black Lives Matter, they're like, oh, Black men are always in danger, but like they never mention anybody else. And they, 
like kind of like the people that aren't even black are like trying it's almost like almost like a performative activism and I see how so many people will try to come together and like the, it's like their head is there but they didn't quite get it and they're not noticing that they may have other biases uh, like for example they may drop like their racist family or like drop certain ideologies but they won't realize they're still being misogynistic and there are so many just intertwined themes that are always like, constantly happening that leave out black women and i feel like this is one of those examples and when people are like make sure you say his name too his name has already been in the news his name didn't take that long to be recognized obviously it became recognized for a catastrophic reason it was heartbreaking but the fact that it takes so much longer for women especially black women to get recognized is something that just never sat right with me um i find the co-optation pretty ironic too um kimberly crenshaw is the one who started say her name um and she's also the one who coined the term intersectionality. So it's frustrating to know the whole, the whole point of having Say Her Name is to include Black women in this conversation and for us to know, yes, Black women are also victims of police brutality. And then um, when we do have Black male victims, they start saying hashtag say his name. And like Olivia just said, we already do say his name. So that's not the issue. The issue is say her name. We're not saying her name. Um, Breonna Taylor, we didn't actually hear about that in the mainstream news for a long time and that is a problem because it was a horrible thing that happened to her um and we didn't really learn about it until we started learning about Ahmaud Arbery and George Floyd and we learned about what happened to them pretty much right away um I think it is a, a microcosm of what actually happens within the whole black community that like black women will ask for um, attention for our problems and we will um, support black men with their problems but we don't get the same support um, when it comes to our issues which is a problem. I think yeah and sort of like speaking on like the irony of well the unfortunate irony of like the say her name movement is like it's so interesting because I feel like a lot of times in this fight for like black liberation um, black men become the perpetrators of a lot of the violence we like see against like black people in general like when we were like black lives matter and white people were like no all lives matter right and then for some reason people can't make those same connections when we're saying say her name it's like no say his name as well right and it's like let, let's not act like we don't have critical thinking skills now because like you're not about to be centered in a conversation for once in your life like it's just very much like it's like it's just super shitty Right. And so, like, I don't know, I think like in thinking about like names that still I don't really feel like have as much like. I don't know, like acknowledgement of their stories, people like Toya Salau, people like Atiana Jefferson, like it's just it's so disgusting. It truly is disgusting because like now we're out here prioritizing whose life matters as if like this is not what white people are doing to us and it's just not effective. Yeah, kind of just hopping on to that. I think it's really frustrating when like issues surrounding Black women come to light and then it becomes an issue within our own community because people feel like it's detracting from the attention of like the violence Black men face. And it's like, if we're trying to be united as a community, why do you feel like bringing attentions to other 
issues is taking away from you. And it's ironic because I like online, I see like black men saying, I don't owe black women anything and protecting them if you're not my mother, if you're not my sister. And it's ironic because Brianna Taylor's boyfriend was trying to protect them. And, you know, they both ended up in unfortunate circumstances. Brianna, unfortunately, she didn't live. So it's just sad to see that our community can't be united and supporting black women and we're usually the ones on the forefront of a lot of social movements like this yeah to speak on that as well it's just it's sad to see that like black women we work so hard <clears throat> just generally and like we're always fighting somebody else's fight like we're always at the forefront we're always like hey like this is happening to you but again whenever something happens to us either either it being bad or good, there's always going to be a, something or somebody to bring us down. <clears throat> and I specifically um, like want to speak about a little bit about the Grammys uh, with Megan Thee Stallion, like Kodak, I believe it was um, Kodak with the whole drive to vote situation saying that like, oh, her career was built on my saying. And it's just like, no, her career was built on her, like her hard work. And I just like Megan Thee Stallion in general with the whole situation in Tory Lanez, like, she wasn't believed and it's disgusting to see that because she was advocating for herself when nobody else was and yet people were quick to be like oh she probably did something or it was probably like a cat fight or something but no like she was injured she was hurt she dealt with that trauma so yeah I just want to add on to that I feel like that's really important like the Meg the Stallion situation with Tory Lanez and how some people were so insensitive about it like going to the lengths of dressing up as her meanwhile she was going through a lot in her life you know like losing family members and friends and then like getting extremely hurt by someone she thought she could trust and just how the world feels like black women don't feel pain whether it's emotional or physical and how easy it is to neglect our emotions surrounding the things that happen in our lives or even just in the lives of like other people because I feel like generally we're pretty empathetic you know so that's just something I wish I'd see more is more empathy towards black women and people taking the time to listen to our hurt. Um, I wanted to make a point on the say her name uh, topic. Um, I definitely agree with all of you that it should be uh, stayed towards black women because um, the person who coined the term literally meant it to be for black women. But I do think that um, we do need a term for like um, to bring light to trans lives and non-binary non lives that are lost just because um, I realize like when we talk about Black Lives Matter, like the the person that they choose to like um, be the center of the movement are is always like a black heterosexual man, and I don't think that's a coincidence. So I definitely think that we need more light towards Black women, and we need a like a term, um, whether like I don't think it should be say their name just because um, it was meant to be for Black women, but we need something to like also bring light to uh, non-binary lives that are lost. That was a really good point that you made, Wendy, about um, including trans women. So I'm gonna actually move on to the next question. And this is something that I've personally noticed a lot and it's how black women, their femininity is almost always equated to their reproductive quality. So you're talking about their womb, their vagina, how, or even superficial notions of femininity about black women being more nurturing naturally. So what are the implications of centering cisgender women and should reproduction and fertility be decentered? 
when we discuss Black women? I think that's a direct play into the mammy trope, especially seeing like a heterosexual Black woman as the nurturer, the mother, um, kind of like the person everybody goes to. It very much, it speaks to me like, if you, you, in the movie, The Help, there was like, there was all of like the main characters who helped write the book. And they're raising these white children, but their mothers treat them like shit. Absolute shit. And that's why she gave her that shit pie. She deserved it. And I, so many people will like, I'm one of the only, I was, I was the only black girl in my graduating class, for example. And people saw me as like, oh, Olivia's so loving and nurturing. I'm like, yeah, cause like you guys are always up in my, my black business and I don't need you there. And people will always try to over-sexualize almost everything I did. I noticed at school, I would get dress coded more often. I noticed that like everything, like, and whenever I tried to bring it up, everyone says, don't make it about race. Like maybe it's just a girl thing and blah, blah, blah. blah. And they're trying to group me in, but I'm not in their group. And in terms of centering, we don't, we shouldn't be centering reproductive organs or reproductive, like in that whole sense, in my opinion, because that's not all we're here for. We're still human beings. We have so many more aspects to our social lives than our, our ability to reproduce. Yeah, I just want to quickly add something there. I definitely don't think womanhood should be associated with your reproductive abilities or organs. Like, I feel like that's a very quick, like, logic people don't think about. Like, what about cisgender women who can't have children? Like, does that make them less of like does that make them less of a woman to you or it's just basically something I wish people would think more about is what is a woman to you and why is are they so quick to take that away from black women even if they fit the mold exactly just because it's so quick to um take away the femininity of black women yeah I think um like a lot of the framework around like womanhood and specifically black womanhood being centered around like reproduction and like sexual reproduction is very intentional I think when we think of like the tradition of like labor expectations people have placed on black women like it it like the shit makes sense right like white supremacy is awful but is like extremely complicated and insidious and in that we only like value black women when black women will like act in like ways that we deem feminine, right? Or like act or like, I don't know, become the mammy for us or like will bear our children and things of that nature, right? And so, and I think that has, well, yeah. But like, I think also just in thinking about like the binary as well, like thinking about how like that is like very intentionally exclusionary of trans women, but also people who just have like different like gender expressions, it's just, yeah, <laughs> like, I don't know where I was going with that, but yeah. Okay, so if no one wants to speak on to that question anymore, I want to go back to, you, you guys mentioned earlier, our favorite hot girl, Meg Thee Stallion. And as many of you may know, Cardi B and Meg Thee Stallion, they took the world by storm when they released WAP. And immediately after, into this day, some people were writing about whether the song, if it's like a woman empowerment anthem, or if the song only objectifies women. And while I am curious to know what you all think about that, 
I'm really interested in why the song and other songs like it need to be defined as either something that's empowering or something that's objectifying. I, to answer that question, I feel like it deals a lot with Black women's autonomy, just because in a sense that when we try to like, you know, own our sexualization, like, like this is who I am, you know, like, whatever, right? It's always a problem. And I feel like that's where the, the concept comes in with like objectivity and then empowerment. Because again, it's like this binary, like it needs to be this or that. It can't be because you want it to be like for yourself. Like, I feel like objectivity should not even really be a thing in this. Like WAP is like an empowering song, like in my opinion, just cause it's like, you know, like a woman, first of all, a woman wrote it, that's one. And it's not like, they're not objectifying their own bodies. Ah, that's such a hard way to say it. But it's just like, they're just owning themselves in a sense. Like they're just having like, you know, this is who I am. Like, this is who I want to be. Like, I'm going to show the world. And then like with the critics, especially like the white cis men just saying, oh my gosh, the justification. Like, how can you let your children listen to it? Like, it's disgusting. Like, ugh, yeah. I agree completely with what Ty just said. And also, if like, I know we're probably going to get into kind of um, misogyny towards mi misogynoir towards like black women, obviously, who never really see people questioning the lyrics behind a bunch of rappers, and they say the most out of pocket stuff. Like I will listen to something, and it'll take me back. But then they're like, ever you see all these kids like everywhere just being like, oh yeah, like I love this song. And I'm like, I know you can't sing along to it, but like you love this song. And I remember we have even other women trying to put Cardi B and Meg Thee Stallion down. I mean, as much as we love our sister Candace Owens, um, <laughs> I'm sorry, <laughs> but she. Um, I'm not going to call her a sister right now because no, uh, but um, like I remember she like sent out a tweet like just the other day being like, oh, Cardi, you should be ashamed of yourself for like releasing this song and her clap back. Y'all can look into it. It was rather funny, but um, it's she sees a display of women like expressing their sexuality, expressing like what they have it's like good for you but it's the fact that people have to search for a way to put people who express their sexuality in that way down and especially in black women because we've been sexually exploited for so long that people automatically have this kind of demonizing view of seeing black women as just sexual objects and it's like it doesn't wrap in my like it's so dumb to me that people just don't understand like it is a song but that doesn't take away from the fact that it's like, it's women just being like women. We're just trying to exist. And whenever women have the audacity to exist, whenever black women have the audacity to exist, someone's gonna have a problem and it really needs to stop. Yeah, I feel like for WAP, it kind of just goes back to like it needing to be in either or situation. I feel like it could be both like women, sexualizing themselves and it's still being empowering because at least then you can control how you're being portrayed and um and a lot of like rap songs like either or music videos or the lyrics like women or black women are just like 
sex props to them and then it's fine because then it becomes like a cool thing like yeah I have like this girl on my arm but if the girl's embracing like I could pull you if I want to then it becomes a problem you know and yeah I just feel like people can like have feelings about this song maybe like they're just not a fan of like explicit lyrics like that and that could go for that song or rap but I feel like people making comments like thanks this song set us back to like the 1920s is a big reach because like women have been taught that they're not allowed to enjoy sex and things like that so when we take that back it becomes a problem and that's just something they need to unlearn yeah I think you can always tell when like people haven't done the inner work to unlearn things and like I don't know have not allowed themselves to like enjoy sex because the fact that people are out here saying like this was out here like pushing like I don't know prostitution not that there would be anything wrong with that but like saying that their Grammy performance was doing that it's doing the most to me like I feel like truly it really just comes down to people hating like black women who are liberated and unapologetic right that's all the song is that's all it is it's not that deep if you don't like it turn it off like why are people out here writing think pieces about how they're so offended about somebody else's wet pussy ma'am sir relax it's not that deep I also think um this is very racialized and it also has um a stake in colorism. Um, if Black women decide to act feminist in the way that white women act feminist, then we are feminists, we are empowering. But if we try to do it any other way, then it's a problem. And I think that speaks to the autonomy that um, some of you have already been talking about with Black women, we don't get the choice. But if a Black male rapper is talking about women, objectifying women, their song does not spark think pieces, their song does not go on the news or it's not in Republican podcasts. And I think that is very weird. Like it's really weird, the obsession people have on um, with black women. And I think that um, the fact that we don't get the support we should be getting from black men in conversations like this is also part of the problem. Um, they constantly want to, I, I've heard a lot, um, black liberation for black women is black liberation, but black liberation for black men is to have privilege. And I think this is, um, a case where that is true they're not going to help us because that's not helping them but they still want to fuck us though but ain't no help I kind of feel like like that's an important thing to like remind ourselves of is like in the U.S. like there's racism and then within like the black community, like we have misogyny in the black community. So it's like the black men on top. And then there's homophobia that we have to delve into. So it's like, I don't know. It's like, even if we were to have this utopia of like only black people, it's just like, would it still be equitable because someone's still not gonna let the other person live their life to the fullest, so. And lovely colorism among the black community. Right, because why am I not seeing think pieces about Black rappers talking about yellow? Like, I'm glad Danny Lay caught the heat for that video because she should have. It was a bad song. And then the message, what was she talking about? But Black men have been rapping about that for decades. And we don't have the white people aren't in um, Black music business when Black male rappers are talking about light skins and yellow bones. But when Black women are owning their sexuality, it is a problem. That is a problem. Sorry, Olivia. I just have to jump in there. 
Okay, so I'm going to move on to the next question, um, which is basically, uh, I was watching Scandal the other day, and I got to the point where it was Olivia and her dad, and her dad says, you have to be twice as good to get half as much. And I'm sure as Black people, we might have heard that, and we've heard it in reference to the workplace or when we're at school, but do we, rare, but do we ever extend the same logic to beauty standards? Do you all think that black women are upheld to higher beauty standards to be deemed attractive? I can see y'all nodding, <laughs> okay. And if so, what are those standards and how do we push back on the, against those standards? Um, like before I can answer that, like the moment you said like the beauty standards, I just thought about the makeup industry and like how it, it has like transformed throughout the years. Cause if you literally like see photos, like that's like from the nineties or the thousands, like you see a lot of flashbacks sometimes. And it's because of the fact that like the beauty industry did not cater to women of color, did not cater to black women. And then like with recent like foundation releases and whatever, like their selections have still been very white. Like there's like huge controversies and like companies are just like, oh, well, like we're trying to create the formula or like we know we should be more accessible, but you know, we're still trying, this is all new. But like, what do you mean this is all new? Like this has been for years. Like you can make 50 different shades of white, but you can't make like a couple extra shades of black. Like I'm so confused. And then with black women, like we're always a trend. You know, we always start the hairstyles. We always start the looks, we always start everything. But yet when we do it, it's a problem. It's given all these like nasty terms. It's always degraded. But let an influencer do it, let a white woman do it. Oh my God, it's in, it's a new thing. We have to do it. They monopolize on it. It's just ridiculous. Yes. Yeah, I also think about how like when, like when it comes to beauty standards, um, black women are like now the body that like the in body now is like basically what black women have been for decades. Um, now, like I see white women want the big booty or whatever it is, they want the wide hips. And it's just like, but now for black women, we have to be like overly sexualized to even get some type of love. And I think that's even, especially for like darker women, I like see like what goes viral and she has to be in a swimsuit with oil on in a photo shoot. I just don't think that's fair. Like all black women are beautiful. We, sh we don't need to be sexualized to get love. And I think it's hard because like, what are we gonna tell our kids? Like, what are we gonna tell our daughters? It is, I'm a dark skinned woman. So I'm gonna have to look at my daughter one day and be like, oh, for you to get love, you have to have your, like you have to be in a swimsuit. And if she, what if she's like, what if she doesn't want to do that? Like, what if she wants to just be artsy and go do whatever? Like I, I have a lot of problems with today's society and it's, it's, it's very worrisome, like what we're gonna tell our kids going forward. Winnie and I have this conversation literally <laughs> three times a month, like stay up for hours dissecting this because um, I think a lot of the time it is also addressed as a binary and I don't think it is a binary. It's not black versus white because light-skinned women, especially mixed women, don't have to do what um, Winnie was just talking about, like the oiled up, face beat um, to be considered pretty. They just kind of have to exist to be considered pretty. Um, and then darker skinned women have to do so much to be um, treated beautiful. And then also like Winnie was saying, is it being treated beautiful or is it being fetishized? And then there's also fetishization with light skinned women. So it's kind of, it's really complicated. It's kind of hard to like pull out what is, um, what is reaching a beauty standard and what is just being fetishized by 
um, the men who have the most voice. I don't know if anyone has any opinions about that. I quickly want to talk about like, I don't like the conversation on colorism was super valid, but I also want to talk about like body shapes as well. Like, I feel like a lot of times people like, I feel like I hear the argument all the time, like, oh, like this body shape is like what black women have been for a while. And that's very true, right? But there's also like mad black women who don't fit like the, what is it like, like the Coke bottle shit? Like, what if like, it's like, what if you're a black woman and you're not thick? What if you're a black woman and you're not fat in all the right places? Like, do you still not then deserve love? Do you still like, are you still not beautiful to people? Right. And so like, there's this, I like, I don't know. I feel like LOL, not me blanking on the spot. <laughs> but I, think, I just wanted to comment on like fat phobia, especially because I feel like there's always this like, and I think fat phobia like exists in all like mediums and all like societies and all like cultural like things with like white people, Asian people, Latinx people, et cetera, et cetera. But I feel like there's this like added layer of like disgust towards black women who are fat. And there's also like, I feel like whenever people see bigger black women, they associate their bigness with like a higher propensity for labor. So like when I think about people like Stacey Abrams, like, and like the way people treated Kamala Harris is like completely different, right? Like Stacey Abrams, if y'all don't know, was out here showing her ass out here, like going for Biden and did all the work for that campaign in Georgia to flip Georgia blue. And Kamala Harris, you know, light, bright, skinny. She didn't do all that, I'm just saying, right? And so it's like, and she also like does not have the same sort of like community clout that I see people have with Stacey Abrams because Stacey Abrams is a real ass bitch, right? And so like when we think about like how like darkness plays into play, how like features play into play, I think it's also important to think about how bodies come into play as well. Um, oh, I'm sorry. I'm gonna head back to you in one second, Olivia, but I just wanted to throw in something else. I really liked how you brought up fat phobia, Michaela. I think that's a really good point to make. And I was wondering, because I know earlier someone mentioned um, like the stereotype or archetype of a mammy. Do you think there is like a legacy of these stereotypes about black women, such as being a Jezebel or being a mammy? And do they manifest in our fat phobia, in our colorism, and even the way we might even treat natural hair, like certain textures? Um, I have a lot to unpack, but I'm gonna try to get to it. Um, but I have been called a the two positives that made a negative um, because I'm Hispanic and I'm also black, like I'm Afro-Latina and people can like kind of associate um, or like kind of sexualized Latino women and black women for having big butts. I am shaped like a fridge. It's fine. I've come to terms with it. It's okay. But I've had so many people be like, wow, like you just didn't, did it just not pass on to you? I'm like, what do you mean pass on to me? <laughs> like, I'm like, my dad has an inverted ass. What do you think I'm going to get some kind of dump truck from him? No, but it was like, the fact that that's like the first thing that people used to say like about my body and they're like oh maybe and I've had someone tell me oh maybe it's just because you're light-skinned and I'm like no and they'll like assume I have a white parent I'm like no kind of insult uh, um, <laughs> I would get like pissed off at how people would try to portray just like uh, make assumptions about my body type based on my racial identity and 
there are just like so many different levels of how black women we do have to work so much harder to only get such little return and for example like i used to i used to not be able to like know how to accept myself because i was one of the only black children like in my entire graduating class and i went to a quaker school in providence rhode island so you weren't expecting much um so i went in and i would always straighten my hair i would have to go to the hair salon like once a week sit in there for like four hours have every single one of the ladies shit talk me basically my hair type in spanish not realizing i know exactly what they're saying and like i'm like don't you guys know my mother speaks spanish like they don't like they just didn't connect it and so many people just don't realize like how much how much work that takes and when they see our hairstyles they see our like every single day like if we try to start something new they're like oh like that's weird or like if I tell someone how long it takes for me to get braids they're like oh my god that's so long it's like so much effort but the same bitch will go along and be like oh my god I went to the Caribbean look at my bra-. and I'm like bitch <laughs> and I was like I, I some I'm not gonna say I hope their hair falls out but I'm gonna just hold the sentiment um but <laughs> like it's just that so many people deemed it ghetto deemed it x y or z and I remember seeing a post, sorry, like this is a lot, but I remember seeing a post saying, if you are a black girl who made it through high school between the years of 2012 and like to 2020, you deserve a veteran's discount because we had to go through white girl winning. We had to go through the light skin, dark skin. We had to go through the yoga phase. We had to go through like everything. And because I was one of the only black kids, everyone's like, oh, so like Olivia, and they would just kind of like stop there and try to push every single thing onto me, even if it didn't even apply to my identity. And it's just, it's fucked up. I don't know how to even like, like gather how much pain it brought, how much hurt it just brings into my everyday life. And I have to have memories of it all the time. Okay, thank you for that, Olivia. That was a lot, but definitely appreciate it. It's good. So I think one thing that I really liked what you said was about the pain, just the trauma and all of it just growing up. Honestly, as a black woman and recently on Twitter and even in person and even in emails, I've been seeing or hearing a lot about showing up for black women and being more supportive of them. So does this push to admire and appreciate black women, does it feel genuine or does it feel performative at all? And as black women, what are genuine ways that people can actually show up for you all and support you? Um, I'll speak on the first part of the question. I think it is performative. And I think um, one way that I like look at how America must be looking at black women is TV. Um, when I was growing up, there was so much more diversity within the black community of what I saw on TV. And now it's really just type three hair, light skin, freckles optional, like and and they're black. They're that's that's it. That's who we see as black women. The only um shows we have are like blackish. And do we have blackish? Like it, it just feels like all of the black TV now um is for white people. It's not even for us. And that is very unfortunate because I know that we had it at one point, like um, 
my my parents grew up with those tv shows and I just don't have them I literally like they make fun of me because I watch 90s shows and 80s shows all the time but it's like the only way to actually see people who look like me like living life otherwise I have to watch friends and the office and like nobody on those shows looks like me that's so sad um but yeah I definitely think it is performative um and that is an issue yeah, I, I definitely agree. Um, I definitely think it's performative. I'm gonna answer the first part of the question just because, and don't get me wrong, when you pull up people's old tweets, I do agree that people can grow when they're older, but like we have given so much leeway to like black men who have just called like dark skin women monkeys in 2013, 2014. And this is why I think it's performative now because they're saying, oh, I love dark skins, you guys are so beautiful. Or I love black women, you guys are so beautiful. If the trend was still to shit on black women in, in 2021, they would still be doing it. So I don't, I don't buy none of this. I, I'm gonna give them some time to, you know, grow obviously, cause I think we can all grow, but I definitely think it's performative right now. Yeah, I definitely agree on that. Sorry. I definitely agree that's performative just because of how like how fast we've grown as a society to actually like have documentation of people. So like you said, like going back into people's tweets, like it's easy for people to get caught now, like red-handed, like we saw you, like you did this, your name's attached to this. And I feel like that's why a lot of it is performative, not because like people want to do it, but they're just afraid that they're going to get caught not doing it. Yeah, I also think it's performative. I feel like, and maybe this is just like me being extreme. I feel like if I don't know you in real life and you talk about like how much you love black women, I wouldn't believe you. Like I need to see, I need to see proof. What are the car facts? Like, do you have black friends? Are you in community with black women? No, for real. Cause I feel like everybody's out here. Like I protect black women. I stand up for black women. I make space for black women. And like, you look at the black, you talk to the black women and they're interpersonalized and like they're holding so much they're holding so much trauma they're holding so much anger from like these microaggressions that these people are putting us through on the daily right and it's like not even just the microaggressions but also just expecting black women a whole emotional space for you expecting black women to do your work for you when it comes to these clubs when it comes to this homework this class shit whatever and so it's like no none of y'all give a fuck about black women the only people i think care about black women are black women truly unless i've seen something different which is unfortunate but yeah yeah i also think it's important like people say they support black women but a lot of the time it's only black women they're attracted to and that's something that people don't talk enough about like i see it on twitter and people like men think they're saying something they're like oh like if i really feel something for this girl like i'll never think about her sexually i'll never like do this and I'm like that's not the take you think it is it's like y'all have to love everyone like each black woman not only the ones you want to sleep with I was just gonna add to what you were saying I think it's both that like sexual attraction and family members and I think that's really weird like why can you only empathize for black women if they have some relation to you you can't see them as a separate entity from you and still respect them and want what's best for them because black women do that for black men so it's very weird that they can't reciprocate I feel like I feel like when I think about the reasons black men specifically 
specifically like have problems like holistically loving and caring about black women it's because a lot of these niggas don't know how to love and care about themselves right like a lot of these niggas fully just need to go to therapy and like you out here trying to be like hard for your niggas or whatever and it's like no like no like when you really think about it like and they're out here like oh like me and my niggas go hard and you out here feeling like I don't know, like you're holding in your emotions because so he, something he said hurt you, but now you're trying to be too man. So you're not going to approach it. Like there's a whole bunch like of issues with like black men and the way I see black men interact with each other that I no longer have the expectation that like black men or like a black man is going to care about me, like with my identity in mind. Um, yes, I, as I was about to say before, the bar is in hell. Like the bar is so low to the point, like we have been constantly just like, bah, bah, like so often that like, I remember finding myself like, I noticed it was almost like a TikTok trend of white men going, oh yeah, I love my black girls. I like, they're like trying so hard and they're like, oh, like they'll get like the, they'll get like the buzz cut, grow out a beard, wear a chain, be like, oh, hey, like, come on <laughs> and like sometimes I'm like oh he's cute and then I look in the mirror I'm like don't you do it. no don't you do it because <laughs> I'm like because I know because you look through their followers and they're like I love my like black queens the followers in question it'll be all white girls and then maybe one mixed girl and or they'll be like oh I love black women the black woman in question is Zendaya not every black woman looks like Zendaya. That, that's not how it works. You can't just poof, there she is. No, like, so, like, I see so many people wiling out just being like, oh, like, uh, and people will have this performative activism for black women. They're like, oh, like black women are so amazing. But we are amazing, we damn know that. But so many people are like pushing it to a point where it's so exaggerated. And I feel like if you want to go towards genuine feeling, have it be a genuine feeling. Don't feel like you have to like compliment every single black person you see. It's not like, oh, she's black. It's um, like, it was like when um, BLM became a trend. BLM has been around for a very long time, <laughs> but it became in kind of people's social awareness in the summer of 2020. And people would like see black people and just be like, like, like this is America. Like they come in and just like think that that's gonna solve racism. And I had people reaching out to me from high school being like, oh my God, like, wow. Like as if like they just realized it, it, I was, they were today years old when they found out I was black. I'm like, I've been talking about this for years. You guys ignored me for years. <laughs> And we've had so many different methods of like levels of attraction. And it seems like we have to always meet a certain expectation to be accepted in society. Like we have to be like, oh, we have to be like this beautiful melanin goddess. Like both, and like people will try to spout out all these things and they don't realize like we can see through you. We're not stupid. Yeah, I really appreciate that, what you said. And I think um, one thing I really, I was really listening to is this idea that people aren't genuinely supporting black women. And honestly, for me myself, like I can only look back to a few instances where I felt like someone has genuinely supported me. And personally, the way that it was, was they cash out me some money when I told them I had a bad day. 
So if anyone can tell me one way that someone has supported you as a black woman, you felt it genuinely. It wasn't performative. It wasn't just because they were doing it for a trend. It felt like they genuinely cared about you. Does anyone have an experience to share? I would say I have one, like a singular moment, which is kind of sad. But um, one of my friends, like I went to a boarding school and he's in New York now. And, you know, he's like a tall black man with locks. So we kind of just had like this late night conversation about like how scared we were because it was when a lot of um, hate crimes are happening against black people. And he was just listening to, you know, like my frustrations and I was listening to him. So I would say that's probably like one of the realest moments I've had. But honestly, like, I don't even think people I know realize how they sometimes like invalidate my feelings like even if it's not about a racial issue it's just maybe even something trivial but they'll try to make it feel like oh you're making it a big deal like it's not you're probably overthinking like I've heard that quite a few times and I'm like right now I don't need you to really tell me how you think like I'm perceiving the situation just listen to me for a second so that's something I would like to see just genuine listening and not always being like talking with someone just to respond to what they're saying, but actually taking in what they're saying. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. Like when Jada presented a question, I was trying to really think about it, but I feel like the only instance where I could feel that I was genuinely supported was when somebody actually like talked with me, you know, like they actually like heard me out and then like we engaged in some sort of dialogue. And I do that a lot with my friends back home um, one who identifies as Latina, one who identifies as Black, like, we have this conversation, um, but I feel as though I could really only gain support or genuine connection from other Black women and maybe other women of color, just because, like, and mostly, like, and specifically those within my age group, just because, like, in the different age group, it's just so much harder to convey where I just shut down, like, I'm just like, you know what, it is what it is, you're not going to get me, and it, I just can't, like, have this conversation without me, like, crying or breaking down, and that's mostly what happened during that summer, like, there's, like, a, like with everything going on, like, I did not talk to some family members for a long time, and it was just, like, heartbreaking in that sense, but I feel like I've genuinely only received support from those within my age group who also identify as, like, women of color, but that was a really good point, Thais. Um, and I think it's really interesting that out of the seven of us here, it took us a hot little minute to think of instances where we were genuinely supported by people. And I think it's a good note to end on. I think this should be you know, something that we have to reflect on, not us, but other people need to reflect on when it comes to supporting Black women. I wanna th thank you all for being here and thank you everyone for watching. Um, if you haven't checked out our other work, check us out on YouTube, Instagram, and theblacksa.com. Thank you so much.